Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where Here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Joe Adele, a devastating injury, and another COVID outbreak in baseball. Just your average day in 2020. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today on a Tuesday, August 4th. Frank Stample here alongside Scott White and Chris Towers. Guys, I would ask you where you want to start, but I'm just going to open up the floor to Scott because as soon as he joined this little soiree that we're having here, he is quite sad. So, Scott, I will just give the floor to you regarding Mike Soroka, who has been confirmed a torn Achilles. Yikes. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad we could get that confirmation in right before we went on, although it seemed pretty apparent just watching the uh, yeah. the replay. You saw, you know, you, you, saw, you saw it snap basically mid-calf. Yeah, and- anytime you see that plant and then the guy just doesn't go anywhere... Yeah. Usually what it means. This is bad. This is bad. Uh, frankly, I'd rather him have a torn UCL. This is uh, a torn Achilles is pretty much across sports. The most difficult injury to come back from it. Like it's like it robs the player of certain base athleticism. You know, Adam Wainwright had it. He was pretty old at the time, but obviously his, his stuff is, not where it used to be. Dylan Batances is coming back from it now, and clearly his stuff isn't where it used to be. Mike Soroka is a very young man, 21, I believe. So that'll help. But I mean, this is this is beyond just season-ending injury. This is like career-altering stuff for you know a guy who I thought was going to uh, be a top or at least the number two in my team's rotation for a very long time. So, you know, shifting back to fantasy, there are dynasty implications, I would think. If I'm if I'm worried about his longevity and, and his ability to bounce back from this as a Braves fan, uh, you got to worry about it in a dynasty league too. Will Mike Soroka ever be the same? And uh, I, I, can't, I can't say that with confidence. In fact, I don't have much confidence at all he will. Um, so that's uh, that's something to think about. That's something to think about. If somebody comes at you thinking they're making a buy low offer, something to think about. Adding insult to injury, Scott, you said he might be 21 years old. Well, he is 22. And okay. we're recording this on the night of August 3rd. Tomorrow is August 4th. That's when you're listening to this. But it's actually Mike Soroka's birthday. So oh. insult to injury, he's turning 23 years old. On Tuesday, August 4th. 
Gosh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's it's a tough situation all around for the Braves, for fantasy owners. He's likely your, you know, SP3 for fantasy purposes. Uh, Scott, you brought up some of the implications on how this will affect people in Dynasty and Keeper Leagues. If you are, and you already kind of touched on it, you don't know how he's going to bounce back from this. But if you're a team that is rebuilding, would you try and buy low on him in that type of setting right now? It depends how low. I mean, if somebody's listening to me right now and saying, oh my gosh, I'll never be the same again. I got to dump him for whatever I can get. I will be on the receiving end of whatever I can get. That kind of trade, sure. Uh, But you know, Soroka was a prized dynasty asset because of his youth, because of very strong rookie season, strong prospect pedigree. Uh, You know, I... It's it's just hard to say. It's just hard to say. I, I think... Dynasty context, you downgrade him. Like I'm to the point with Tommy John surgery, particularly for a starting pitcher, where if somebody has that, um, it it kind of freezes them in time for me. Their value. I know it doesn't always work out that way. Yeah. But it off it does often enough that I will always be on the receiving end of a buy low deal for a guy who just suffered Tommy John surgery. And this is this is not that. This is this doesn't have that kind of track record. In fact, the track record it does have is very poor. If so, I may. Go ahead. Uh, the problem with an al- analyzing the torn Achilles or the ruptured Achilles is in most sports, it usually happens to older players. Uh, it, it's, you know, you think of the highest profile ones, Adam Wainwright and Ryan Howard come to mind in Major League Baseball. And then I've been doing some research. Johan Santana uh, did had one in 2015 when he was trying to come back. Mark Mulder the, the year before. It's usually Oof. an old injury. Um, Mark Mulder wasn't that old. Is that what ruined Mark Mulder? No, no, it was 2014 when okay. he suffered okay, so that it injury. Was, okay, yeah, so it was after he, it was after he became bad. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say the the one that I can think of that, and obviously this is not a scientific uh, analysis, but Zach Britton is one guy who ruptured his Achilles. I want to say it was in 2017. And then he came back and, I mean, he hasn't been quite the same Zach Britton, but he's been really good over the last two seasons, 231 ERA. Uh, and he was in his 30s when he suffered the injury, or 29. Um, so, you know, just... Give, it, give me a little hope here, Chris. Something to think about. <laughs> Adam Wainwright, you know, he... It's hard to say whether that injury hastened his demise, or, but he's pitched four years since it. So... Yeah. You know, the, the it, it, this is an injury you usually see among basketball players, right? That's yeah, that's most and, and commonly where we see and it. football players. And one thing that I've noticed over the last couple of years is successful returns have become much more frequent. It's not something it's not a guarantee, but, you know, Wesley Matthews in the NBA suffered one. DeMarcus Cousins suffered one and came back and was at least, you know, able to play at a decent level. So, yeah, it's no, not it, death, it's, it's it less used about to be a death sentence. It used to be like your career might be over if you suffer this at 25. It's yeah, it's less bad. about I'm I'm concerned about him being able to make it back at, at some point next year. Yeah. Uh, I would guess not the start, but it's it's not out the out of the realm of possibility. It's just what is he going to look like? Is he ever going to be the same? And I think, you know, it was a different injury, but I, I feel like Michael Pineda, you know, he suffered a bad shoulder injury very early in his career after looking like, you know, he was going to be a an ace for a long time. And he's still got back to being a usable 
fantasy pitcher, yeah. but he, he was never the same. And I, I just wonder if it's going to play out similarly for Mike Soroka, albeit a different injury, of course. Yeah, I'm a little bit more optimistic, honestly, Scott. You know, Chris hit on it that, you know, the advancements in, in medicine and technology have really helped people bounce back from the torn Achilles. I remember Steve Smith, wide receiver in the NFL. He bounced back from that in his mid-30s. I mean, you know, he's he's built differently. But Terrell Suggs... Terrell Suggs has come back from it twice. Yeah, Soroka's young enough, a high man. Player. Soroka's high-level high player. Soroka's All young right. enough. So I, I mean, this is this has been good emotional therapy for me. <laughs> I appreciate it, guys. I hope you're the right. The problem is he just wasn't that good to begin with. Hey, now. Oh, come on. Don't go there. Scott had him on his All-Decade team for the 2020s. Defend, I, I will defend his honor. And now, like now, if he doesn't come back, that you, there's no arguing with that career stat line. He could have been the greatest. No, I mean, I look, I. Obviously, I hope he comes back full strength. And, uh, you know, if you're in a dynasty league, you definitely downgrade him. But I wouldn't give him away for nothing. Right. In, I agree with that. In redraft leagues, we've talked a lot about starting pitchers that you can pick up recently. Tyler Chatwood, Christian Javier, Zach Plesak, who pitched tonight and had a quality start against the Cincinnati Reds. Um, these players are owned in less than 60% of CBS leagues. Spencer Turnbull, Yusei Kikuchi, Brady Singer, Kyle Freeland. Again, all names that we've talked about. In deeper leagues, Chris Bubich, Daniel Ponce de Leon, I think you could look at. How about Alec Mills? Let's talk about Alec Mills from tonight. And seven innings pitched, three hits. You're the Alec Mills guy. I don't know. Like You're I, the one Alec Mills guy. we got to give him some in credit. The he's the one. Community. We've got to give him credit. I mean, seven shutout innings, four strikeouts. It does come against the Kansas City Royals. So you take it with a grain of salt. Does not get a lot of swings and misses. But he had nine ground well, ball outs. That counts, he right? He hasn't gotten a lot of swings and misses. He had last year in nine appearances, I think four of them starts, he had a swinging strike rate of 12.5, which put him like in the Lance Lynn, Trevor Bauer range. So he, he had them last year. They haven't been there this year. And, and so that makes me skeptical of what he's done so far. But you know, he, he, he was, he was low-key interesting to me coming in, Alec Mills, because he had a good swinging strike rate and a great ground ball rate. And that that's like the ideal combination for me in 2020. Still getting the ground balls. I don't know if the swinging strikes are going to come back in a more, you know, stretched out role like he's in now. It's not like his velocity is down from last year. So I'm not, I'm not sure why they weren't there before, why they were there before and they're not there now. But it does make me skeptical of how good Mills has been so far. Uh, allowing just five hits in 13 innings. I mean, obviously that can't last if you're giving up that much contact. It couldn't last anyway. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not totally dismissing Alec Mills, but this is not, if he is good, this is not the way he's going to be good. He, he is on the very bottom of the list of players you mentioned. So even behind Kyle Freeland, who you laughed at yes. me yesterday for bringing up? Yeah, I would rather have Kyle Freeland. Interesting. Okay. Uh, I was going to ask you guys if you have one available. Like, who is the most realistic starting pitcher? Say that you own Soroka and you're kind of freaking out right now and you're saying, okay, I have an excess of talent somewhere on my team. I have uh, a glut of outfielders and I'm looking to make a trade and I'm trying to acquire a starting pitcher. Who is the most realistic starting pitcher that you think that you can acquire right now on the cheap? To, um, for me, entering tonight, I was going to say Frankie Montas. I don't know if you could still get him for cheap because... He was pretty good tonight. Uh, six innings of one-run ball. It comes against the Seattle Mariners, which is a good start. Uh, the walks have still been an issue for him. Seven innings of one-run ball, mind you. Uh, nine strikeouts. 
He now has, he had four walks in this game. He has nine walks over his first three starts. You know, if someone yeah. sees this, they're probably not selling Frankie Montas. They probably weren't anyway. But he right. was someone that I was looking at trying to acquire. Scott, is there anyone that comes to mind for you if you're just freaking out as a Soroka owner? Oh, it, it, would, it would have to be, it would be somebody who's actually been, like the thing is I was worried about Frankie Montas because he wasn't throwing many splitters and that was the key to his success. But like, he didn't allow many runs in any of his first three starts. So I don't think, I don't think the average Frankie Montas owner was probably freaking out. And he threw 18 splitters today and it was his best, most effective pitch today. I don't know if it was just behind because of the, the weird ramp up, but I'm, I'm okay with Montas now, I think. So yeah, looking back to your question, uh, somebody who like, I, I, I don't know. I've been seeing weird comments about Aaron Nola made, lately, who's made only one start. <laughs> and I, I'm not sure why anybody would be downgrading him based on that. Obviously the Phillies were shut down for a while. I, I've, I have no reason to think Aaron Nola is less than I thought he was coming into the season, but I can there see was... how you could get him for cheap just because some, you know, the, the the person who has him is used to being without him already. Wait until after his next start. For it. I never saw a good explanation for it, but it seemed like people were just kind of out on Nola, you know, at the end Some of draft people. season. I mean, his, his ADP was... He fell playing. in a lot of drafts that I did, yeah. like into like the 60 range. And I don't know why. I would say wait until after his next start, which is going to come against the Yankees in Yankee Stadium. So the way that the Yankees are swinging the bats right now, mm. you know, I don't know how successful that start is going to be. But I would not be surprised if it's not a great start I, for Aaron Nola. I wouldn't want to chance it personally. Because right. if, if Nola goes out and and shuts down the Yankees, then like obviously that is a fair point. limits. And I, at the bottom line is whether he's good against the Yankees or not, I think Aaron Nola is good. So I'd make the play for him now. Uh, if it doesn't work out and he gets rocked by the Yankees, well, maybe you have another chance to make a play for him. I would also look into Charlie Morton. Mm-hmm. My uh, man. I, I would look into Hyunjin Ryu, who I think is still good and, and who I think is kind of a Mike Soroka clone, actually. Um, and I would look into Blake Snell if you could get him for really cheap. I'm worried about how long it's going to take him to build up, but if you can get to five innings plus sooner than later, then he's somebody you're going to want to start every time out. If the person in your league who has Walker Bueller is starting to panic, you know, put out a feeler. I mean, it's it's not crazy. Uh, he went tonight against the San Diego Padres. The Padres lineup, by the way, has been pretty impressive, I would say, through the first couple of weeks of the season. And Walker Bueller, five innings, three hits, three earned, three walks, three strikeouts. You don't like the three walks there for Bueller, but, you know, he's slowly being built back up. I can't disagree. I mean, if you get him on the cheap, sure. I don't know how realistic it is. But it doesn't hurt to try. Those are a few names that you can target if you lost out on Mike Soroka. The other big name from today, mentioned it at the top, Joe Adele, one of the top prospects in all of baseball, is reportedly being called up to the majors for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. It's okay, the Anaheim Angels. Um, And former first-round pick, career 298 hitter in the minors, 878 OPS, struggled with his first taste in AAA last season, just a 676 OPS there. Very small sample size, only 27 games. Scott, how excited should we be about Joe Adele, and how much fab are you willing to spend on him if people have fab running the next couple of days? 
So I'm usually pretty enthusiastic whenever there's a big prospect call up like this. Uh, I'm usually rushing to put in claims for him everywhere. And I'm, I'm less so with, with Joe Adele because it was so miserable for him at AAA last year, no home runs and over hundred at bats, like a 32% strikeout rate a little better in the AFL in the offseason Arizona fall league, but still not, not not awesome. Not not like not like you expect a guy knocking on the door to the majors. So I'm I was not expecting to see him this quickly. He was not somebody I was I was thinking would would get the call before like Dylan Carlson. You know, I wasn't sure he'd make it up this year at all. Um so you know, anytime somebody with this kind of prospect pedigree gets called up, like it makes sense just in case he lives up to his potential right away to go ahead and put in a claim and, and, you know, have him stashed away like this. If you don't, somebody else is going to, and you know, if it doesn't work out, you can move on pretty quickly. So from that perspective, sure. I think he's, he's rostered in less than 60% of leagues, but he was only available in one of ours. And I do have, it's actually not a fab league. It's just a waivers league. So I have a claim put in for him. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not, ho- I'm not hoping for that much. I'm my, my expectations are low. I, I will point out like he's struggled. He's had some injury issues in the minors, especially last season. He had a pretty serious, I want to say it was a hamstring and ankle injury that he suffered in spring training, got his season off to a late start. I think he might not have played until May or June. Um, but he was great at double a before he, he got has, up. He has barely played. Uh, he's only played 224 minor league games across three seasons and never more than 63 games at any level. So that's the one thing I would point out with regards to his struggles at AAA last season. He's been advanced ex- incredibly aggressively at a very young age. He was a 20-year-old at AAA with fewer than 200 games uh, under his belt and had been a consistent low 900s, high 800s OPS bat at every stop before that. And you're, you're looking at someone who, despite all of that, has averaged about 25 homers and 20 steals per 150 games. So mm-hmm. it's a very, very enticing skill set for fantasy. So how much, how much fab percentage would you put on him, uh, well, if, Chris, if, 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 Scott? If we're, Either if we're talking a five outfielder league... Um, you know, that's, that's obviously the easiest format to make a case to pick him up. And I would go 15, 20%. Yeah. That's what I was thinking too. What do you think, Chris? Fab? Yeah, that sounds fine. I, he, he actually, I have him stashed in a handful of leagues. So I'm pretty happy about this. I almost dropped him in tout wars this weekend. If I had bid a few extra dollars on, I don't know, Cole Sulcer or somebody like that. <laughs> Adele would have been gone. Imagine dropping Joe Adele for Cole Sulcer. Look, it's tough. I get it. In a 15-team league, you're trying to pick up saves. I get it, Scott. Uh, I don't but, think we've mentioned it, but he is like the number two prospect in baseball by most uh, scouting. Oh, yeah. So uh, like top five at yeah, least. Yeah, top five. Yeah, I, think I think Keith Law two, has him too. But I think he's two from Baseball America too. And Baseball Prospectus is either two or three. He's The he's point being... He is a Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert kind of prospect. Well, yeah. when you say it like that, Chris, it sounds like we need to get him on three outfield rosters too, head-to-head points leagues. Would you agree with that? It's harder because his does seem to be more of a power speed 
combination. It's unclear what the plate discipline will look like. So mm. I don't know how great of a points league player he will be from day one. But look, the point is, if you've got the <laughs> roster spot, add yeah. him everywhere. Because if Joe Adele does hit his 70th percentile outcome, he's going to be a must-start player in any format. I know we're at risk of talking too long about Joe Adele, but that's that's really where it gets tricky, is the because it's you he's you you can't be sure he's going to be good enough to put in your lineup right away, and in mm-hmm. those points leagues, it's difficult to put to to have a hitter a bench hitter on your roster, and you know least, if if you just won a hard fought battle for like Mike Yastrzemski or Christian Javier, and that's your low player right now, that's the guy you'd be dropping for Odell. I'd hesitate on that. I, I don't know that I could do that. Now, the the league I'm bidding on him, it is a points league, and I had somebody worse than those two that I could drop, thankfully. But like, I could see how some people in those shallower leagues, particularly a points league, wouldn't be able to make room for Joe Adele. I and I will it. just say, these six-person benches in this season are <laughs> not cutting it. This is It's wild. This is not enough, you it guys. Is between postponements and... yeah. COVID symptoms and, and stomach ailments and actual injuries and torn Achilles. It's 2020 uh, in a nutshell. If you haven't noticed by now, we are giving Susan the night off in our uh, Oh My Goodness Gracious Player of the Night. Let me know how you feel about that segment. I, I think we're at risk of overusing it. I don't want to play it out too much. Tweet at me, at Roto underscore Frank. Uh, let Scott know, too, at CBS Scott White and Chris at C Towers. CBS, the other injury that came out today, Shohei Otani, we heard a little bit about it last night that he was going for an MRI. He is dealing with a flexor pronator mass in his throwing arm, whatever that means, and will be shut down from throwing for four to six weeks. He is day-to-day uh, regarding his DH duties, and I think that's partially the reason why we're seeing Joe Adele being called up right now. Uh, he was clearly not right. He had... Eight walks compared to five outs recorded on the season. Scott, are you dropping Shohei Otani in CBS leagues where he has the starting pitcher and DH eligibility together? Uh, not roto leagues. I think lineups. The 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 need for hitters is uh, you need so many hitters that he's still going to be worthwhile, especially since he'll probably play more regularly. That's what yeah. we saw last year when he was out with Tommy John surgery. It, this kind of clarifies his value almost. So yeah, no, I mean, that was not, in the second half point. of his rookie season in 2018. He also started running a lot more once mm. he uh, once he stopped pitching. So, yeah, you know, there, there could be a, a silver lining on that gray cloud. So, Roto Leagues, for sure, you guys are holding. Points Leagues, dump them, Scott? Probably, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, as... Of the latest round of testing for the Cardinals, seven players and six staff members have been confirmed as positive. The Cardinals versus Tigers series, uh, their four-game series this week, has been postponed. The MLB is tentatively planning for the Cardinals to resume their season August 7th this weekend against the Chicago Cubs. Cross your fingers. I don't know that if that's actually going to happen. And something we spoke about yesterday, you wanted to get all of your Cardinals and at least the Tigers out of your lineup. We'll see what happens with the Cubs. Rich Hill has been scratched. Stop me if you heard that before. From his scheduled start on Tuesday versus the Pirates due to mild fatigue and back soreness. Mild fatigue. I got your mild fatigue right here. Mild fatigue. Look, this is our fault. We kept saying. (laughs) Yeah. We have no one to blame but ourselves. 60 games. He can make it through 60 games. uh, What were we thinking? It's our fault. 40, you get fatigued after one start. Whatever. It was the right call. Whatever. (laughs) Are we holding on to Rich Hill, guys? 
Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. All right. Would you drop Rich Hill for Joe Adele? Mm. Uh, <laughs> I, it's based off your you roster. Have, do you have a league where you have more? I'm a, uh, yes. Uh, assuming a scenario where Rich Hill is clearly your most droppable player. Yes, do I would you do drop it. him for Joe. Adele? Sure. Definitely in a roto league for Joe yeah. Adele. I, I think so too. Points league. But I'd, I'd rather not drop not. Rich Hill because when yeah. he starts, he still should be good. It's just you're gonna he's gonna drive you crazy. There's no doubt. There is no doubt he is going to drive you crazy. White Sox activated outfielder Nomar Mazzara from the 10-day injured list on Monday. Mike Moustakis, Corey Seager, Adalberto Mondesi, and Ozzie Albies were all day-to-day entering Monday's uh, action, and they were all in their respective lineups. On the other hand, Mookie Betts was not in the lineup for the Dodgers while Josh Donaldson remained out for the Twins. Betts is dealing with swelling in his middle finger while Donaldson is dealing with tightness in his calf. He has dealt with a calf injury in the past, so definitely something to pay attention to for Josh Donaldson. Joey Votto was reinstated, and he went yard on Monday night against Zach Plesek. Jose Quintana threw a 30-pitch bullpen session Monday. He is returning from a thumb injury. Uh, Scott, what is your interest level in Jose Quintana? Mild. So, like, 15-team leagues, but not really anything shallower than that? Yeah, I know... I don't, I don't even think I'd be that excited to add him in a 15-team league, to be honest. I could see him being a pitcher that we stream later on. I could see him having a bounce-back season, and it's not outside the realm of possibility, but it, you know, he, he, hasn't, he hasn't offered much the past couple years, and I'd be worried about him bringing down my ratios as much as anything else. The Yankees versus Phillies game has already been postponed Tuesday because there's a tropical storm headed towards the Northeast. Apparently, they'll play a doubleheader on Wednesday. Break out that's that my, poncho, Chris. Do not go yeah, outside. That's my bad, guys. I, I brought the tropical storm my first <laughs> summer in New York. How did, I mean, you, Sorry, brought a, you brought a little bit more than a tropical storm to New York, Chris, by the way. <laughs> my beautiful smile. Of course. That's exactly what I was going for. <laughs> uh, some standouts from Monday. Some situations we need to talk about. Chris, we need to talk about this right now. Me and you. Okay. Cor- Corbin Burns out of the bullpen. What yeah. in the name... <laughs> What is going on? Three and two-thirds innings pitched, three hits, two earned runs, two walks, five strikeouts. Five strikeouts. I will say, he allowed a two-run homer to Jose Abreu on a 3-0 pitch. Before that, he actually looked very good out of the bullpen, eight swinging strikes on 64 well, pitches. That's I mean, sort of the Corbin, Bur- Corbin Burns thing. It's right. like he, he looks really good right up until he doesn't. But <laughs> I would guess this is just like he's their fifth starter. And they probably wanted Brett Anderson to get more than 52 pitches and in three innings. And he didn't. So they called on Corbin Burns. I would guess this is probably something that'll happen somewhat regularly with a lot of teams. Uh, do you, I do wonder if it means Corbin Burns is actually the one out with Brett Anderson returning as opposed to Freddie Peralta being out. I mean, Freddie Peralta was not very good his first start. And, you know, Burns was the one earning all the buzz in camp. So that would be I don't very know. disappointing. I'm, just, I'm a little surprised. I didn't, we didn't see Freddie Peralta relieving Brett Anderson and I would drop Corbin Burns for Joe Adele. Yeah, that's but, probably fair. Yeah. How about for some of the other starting pitchers that we've talked about recently? You know, I'm not I really going to mention Chatwood and Javier because those guys are owned in over 70% of leagues now on CBS. Oh, wow. Javier went up a lot. Yeah. Uh, just um, since yesterday. Uh, you say Kikuchi. 
Yeah. I would drop Corbin Burns for Kikuchi. Okay. How about I, I would drop him for Chatwood or, or, or Javier if it's if they're possible. available. Sure. Yeah. Uh, how about Spencer Turnbull? Would you do that, Scott? I'm not. I'm not the. I'm not the Spencer Turnbull guy here. You should probably ask Chris. I like Spencer Turnbull. I would hope I don't have to rely on Spencer Turnbull. And so, if I'm just speculating, Corbin Burns still has more upside. Yeah, it's yeah, it's tough, man. I understand if people want to drop Corbin Burns. I mean, you just you don't even know when he's going to be used, how he's going to be used, especially if you own him in a points league. I mean, you can't really bank on him just having these bulk reliever sessions every couple of days. So it's a frustrating situation. I understand if you want to drop him. I probably, no, nah, I can't do it. I can't do it for Turnbull either, but I was about to say it, but no, nah, I can't do it. Uh, your daily reminder that Luis Robert is a stud, guys. One for two with a run, two walks, and two steals on Monday night. I mean, the guy's legit. I mean, Chris, you, you talk about the White Sox don't really run much. Luis Robert is off and running. He has three steals already. Yeah, I, I want to see what happens when uh, Tim Anderson gets back. Is Luis Robert going to remain in the leadoff spot? Is he going to keep running? Because all three of those stolen bases, or two of the three, I believe, have come since he's been batting leadoff, right? Yeah. Yeah, yes. so yes. That's, the, that's the thing. It might be a situation like we've talked about a lot with the Braves where They'll let the guys at the top of the lineup run. Maybe not so much the guys in the heart of the lineup. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll see. Excuse me. We'll, he we'll, see if, we'll see if Luis Robert gets moved out of the leadoff spot because I don't think that's guaranteed when, when Tim Anderson comes back. He's been so good. That's fair. Yeah. No, he's been amazing. I, yeah. I almost wonder if maybe we see Osmani Grandal move down the lineup a little bit because mm-hmm. uh, he's been off to such a slow start. Yeah. I guess it wouldn't be crazy if they started the lineup Robert Tim Anderson but you just don't really have much OBP there so yeah. a couple of Yeah, I mean that's that's a lot a lot of hacking at the top of the lineup. On the other hand, it, it was Anderson and Moncada before. So Moncada's been walking a decent amount so far this season, but he stopped walking last year and it was a good thing for him. Scott, two players I want to ask you about who I knew you were excited about entering the season. I want to ask you how good can these guys actually be at their respective positions? Gio Urshela has now homered in three of his last four games. A three-run homer on Monday night against Philadelphia Phillies. And then Mike Yastrzemski in Colorado. That helps. But he is batting three fifty-one. He hit his third homer. I mean, how good can these guys be? People in your league are not buying into how good they can be. I, I think we have some buy high situations here. If people don't trust, them. I think so. I mean, I, I, I thought they both had the capacity to be studs and nothing that they've done so far would lead me to believe. Otherwise both are walking a ton, which is something we didn't see from Urshela last year. Uh, my favorite tweet of the night was actually from John Heyman in a rare display of emotion. He said, <laughs> Urshela is the greatest acquisition ever. The guy is amazing. Don't at me. Wow. So John Heyman, even- I don't even know what that was. <laughs> Picking up, like, I just don't even know how to re- respond to that. <laughs> like, even if I did want to at him, I don't actually know what I would say. He gets a he gets a lot of nasty ats. I'll tell you that. It's, uh, John Heyman gets crushed on Twitter. I'm not really sure why, but it's it's always it's always a crap fest looking at his uh, replies to no matter what he tweets. But well, anyway, uh, yeah, Urshela. Great profile for batting average. It looks like the power breakthrough we had last year is carrying over. 
Uh, and I think he's basically must start. Yastrzemski, you know, my biggest concerns about Yastrzemski were would he play every day? And, uh, you know, to a lesser extent, would the production he showed last year translate, which, you know, was you'll just look at his second half numbers. They were awesome. His numbers against lefties were awesome. His numbers away from San Francisco were awesome. Like it, it, it looked like it looked like he was this potentially the secret stud who was just waiting to break through. And he's been playing every day. I think he started every single game and usually batting leadoff and is doing everything right. So I think Yastrzemski, like I said, he's not somebody I would drop for Joe Adele. I think he could be, I think he could be uh, a star in the making. Mike Yastrzemski has started every game for the Giants. You are correct, Scott. And including two of his last four, he has batted third right in the middle of the lineup to Tonight, on Monday night, he was uh, hitting leadoff against the Colorado Rockies. Scott, if you can turn... Uh, would you rather have Gio Urshela or, let's say, Justin Turner right now? They're kind of similar. I would rather have Gio Urshela. How about Yuli Gurriel or Gio Urshela? I would rather have Gio Urshela. <laughs> All right, Scott, how about J.D. Davis or Gio Urshela? Oh, come on. It's like making Frank. you choose your favorite kid. <laughs> what a ridiculous question. How could you even ask that? <laughs> I'd rather have J.D. Davis. Who apparently was dealing with a stomach issue today and then still found his way into the lineup. He was batting cleanup again for the New York Mets. And speaking of the Mets, Jacob deGrom, don't know if you heard of that guy. Uh, he's pretty, pretty good. Six innings pitch, two earned runs, 10 strikeouts, 25 swinging strikes on 104 pitches the other side of New York, Garrett Cole, was still solid. Six innings, one run, one walk, four strikeouts. Seven swinging strikes on 91 pitches. So, kind of interesting seeing those two up against each other, DeGrom versus Cole, and seeing the, the difference in swinging strikes. Chris, it's very early on. We knew that you know there might be an adjustment period for Garrett Cole in, in New York. Any concern whatsoever? No. No, there's there's no concern. This has been a really weird start to the season for the Yankees. They've had series that they thought were going to be played and then weren't played, and it's been raining a lot, and it's just it's just been weird stuff all around. And so th- there's no way of knowing how this is affecting uh, Garrett Cole. And so, no, there is no reason to be concerned whatsoever. And also, maybe Jacob deGrom is just the best pitcher in baseball now. Remember and- that time I drafted him in a Roto mock draft and you guys all yelled at me? Well, if I had known he was going to get a two mile per hour bump in his velocity at 32. Yeah. Like what, what he's doing right now is just completely absurd. He's, he's throwing like Noah Syndergaard, except, except good. I don't want to say anything <laughs> mean. Noah Syndergaard's good. Uh, he's throwing like Noah Syndergaard. If Noah Syndergaard had all the rest of Jacob Bagram stuff. Uh, which is to say he's throwing 100 miles an hour regularly, which is not something oh. we've ever seen before from Jacob DeGrom. He's really, really, really good. He's got a 94-mile-per-hour slider that like moves a ton, which you're not supposed to be able to do. Like He just he looks like he might actually just be the best pitcher in baseball walking away right now. All right. I think you could answer this better than I could, Chris. Is going from 2,900 RPM on your curve to 2,800, is that a concerning drop or, or not? I, I assume not. That No, that doesn't seem like anything to be concerned about. That That's that's a pretty... Yeah, no, that, that seems within the realm of, you know, 
the margin well, of error, let's say. Yeah. Okay. So that's the biggest drop in his spin rate, Garrett Cole, from from yeah. last year to this year is the curveball about 100 RPM. Uh, and the velocity is fine. I don't, I don't know why he's not getting whiffs, but... He's not. He's throwing his fastball a lot. Yeah. I, I think he'll be fine. Yeah. I, I have no concerns about Garrett Cole. A few other names. Matt Kemp started his third day in a row. He's just owned in 10% of CBS leagues. We mentioned him on yesterday's show. But if you play in a five outfielder league, he is playing in Colorado, and I think he's actually worth a look. His owner, uh, his roster ship percentage should be higher than uh, 10%. I'll say that. Ben Gamble had two hits on Monday night, and that's someone that I was kind of hyping up because he will basically take the place of Lorenzo Cain. And Chris Davis is back, baby. Two for three with a home run and a walk. You know, Scott, I mean, you are the voice of reason. We should have been listening to you all along. <laughs> I, I, I still don't know what Chris Davis is anymore, but <laughs> I knew it was too early to assume that he was done. And he may still be done, but I'm, I'm not going so far as to say he's back either, Frank. Let's, let's just cool it with the Chris Davis takes, okay? Yeah, I know. That's how I get myself in trouble here on the show is giving out Chris Davis takes. Uh, promote a few things. The PGA Championship is coming up. You need to be listening to the First Cut podcast. Golf's first major of 2020 is finally here. The world's top players, including Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, and Rory McIlroy, are teeing it up this week at the PGA Championship in San Francisco. The First Cut has you covered with DFS and betting previews, plus round-by-round analysis throughout the tournament. Listen to The First Cut to learn how you could win $4,000 this week by playing our CBS Sports Golf Props game. You can find The First Cut on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and now even YouTube. Just search for it, The First Cut Golf Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to Fantasy Baseball today and The First Cut, uh, the First Cut Golf Podcast while you're at it. And fantasy football is starting to ramp up. I mean, it's already yes. been ramping up, obviously. You should be listening to Fantasy Football today. You should be subscribed, supporting our friends over there as well. Mr. Adam Azer, it's a very busy week for him. To celebrate the Fantasy Football draft season, our friends over at FFT are giving away a 75-inch and a 55-inch TV. The contest is completely free to enter to win Go to cbsportscom slash giveaway. It's free. Why wouldn't you try? 75-inch, 55-inch Jump in. That's how we're uh, helping launch fantasy football. It's coming soon. All right, we're going to take a break there. When we come back, Transformation Tuesday, what does that mean? Look at some players that are doing some things differently this year. Are we actually buying in? And we've got some bullpen notes from Monday. Craig Kimbrell, was he in for the save for the Chicago Cubs? We'll update you right after this. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. 
Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. We're back here on Fantasy Baseball Today, Transformation Tuesday. Some players that are doing things differently this year. Are we buying in? And someone that I am quite bullish on after... Diving in a little bit more here. Dylan Bundy has quality starts over each of his first two. 15 strikeouts to just two walks over 12 and two-thirds innings pitched. And his fastball usage is down about 11% this year, which is a good thing. He is acknowledging that his fastball is his worst pitch. And the velocity has been dropping precipitously over the past couple of seasons. And By way of that, he's using the slider, which is his best pitch, 10% more of the time. So he's going down this Patrick Corbin route, throwing the slider about 33% of the time. And as a result, his swinging strike rate is up over 14%. He's someone who could always get swinging strikes. That wasn't the issue in Baltimore. It was, you know, giving up a lot of home runs, pitching in Camden Yards. And his chase rate is up. Both of those are career high marks. It's only two starts so far. I understand that one of them came against the Seattle Mariners as well. We mentioned buying high earlier in the show. I just I don't know that people realize how good Dylan Bundy has been so far in the transformations that he is going through right now. So Scott, I'm I'm actually quite bullish. I, I'm gonna send out a few offers as soon as we end this podcast to try and acquire Dylan Bundy because I think he has top forty starting pitcher upside. Yeah, he was somebody I pegged as a sleeper from the beginning, kind of a change of scenery sleeper, going to a better park, a better division. And like that, that I, I wasn't even counting on him necessarily changing his pitch selection to feature more sliders and in kind of a Patrick Corbin sort of way. I mean, that is his everything pitch, Dylan Bundy. So it makes sense that featuring it more would be a key to success. Uh, but, you know, part of the reason I've continued to hold out hope for Bundy is because uh, the swinging strike rate there were. Part of the reason I, I cite swinging strike rate so often is because if you look at the swinging strike rate leaderboard, it's like a who's who of Cy Young candidates every year. The top three among qualifiers last year were Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer, and Justin Verlander. DeGrom was fifth, you know, and you could go much further from there and picking out studs. But in recent years, the two who were not like the others on that leaderboard were Kyle Gibson, who's another story, and Dylan Bundy. And, you know, now if Bundy's doing the thing that leads to more of those and it's in a bigger park where he's not going to be hurt by the long ball as much, I'm not going as far as you. I'm not all the way there yet, but I certainly see the path to it being a breakout and I'm not giving up my shares of him so easily. Yeah. Dylan Bundy, someone that I'm looking at, you know, trying to acquire right now. I don't know what it's going to take. I mean, I was thinking, Scott, if you own Kyle Hendricks right now, would you offer him straight up for Dylan Bundy? I think Dylan Bundy's upside is probably higher than Kyle Hendricks. Yeah. It, it's higher than Hendricks. I would still rather have Hendricks. Yeah, I mean, let, like, let's keep things in perspective. Two starts ago or two weeks ago, however you want to define the timeline, you probably paid 10 rounds more for Hendricks than Bundy went in your league. Maybe. Maybe five, five to yeah, seven. Five, I mean, it depends. Yeah, five to Bundy, seven, sure. 
you know, Bundy was going like 250, I want to say, was where his ADP was, maybe 220. But that doesn't mean he was going 220 every draft. He, you know, he might have gone 270 in your league. And so I would just keep that in mind. It's two starts. Yes, it is one-sixth of the season, but that doesn't change how much two starts matter as far as judging a player. Chris, I don't know if you heard it last week, but I did a Chris Towers impersonation of you. And it was regarding Shane Bieber. It was after that. I mean, he's had two ridiculous starts. And Adam asked, you know, all right, well, what would Chris say if he were here? And I said, well, you know, it's a small sample size. It's only two starts. And it's basically what you just said about Dylan Bundy. No, no. The (laughs) real point of Shane Bieber was I called the wrong Cleveland Indians starter a bust. It should have been Mike Clevenger. And I'm blaming my editor for that. Okay. Are we looking at him right now? Yeah. The man in the mirror? Yeah. <laughs> All right, Chris. Who do you who are you looking at as someone who has uh, made some transformations this season that you might be buying into? Small sample size caveats abound. Anytime we're talking about something at this point in the season, I just think it's worth noting that uh, Joey Gallo is swinging at pitches outside of the strike zone far less than he ever has. Last year was a big step forward, going from about thirty to thirty-two percent. Uh, outside zone swing percentage. He's down to 19% right now. He was at 24% last yesterday, which I forgot to mention uh, in that rundown. So 19% of the time he's swinging at pitches outside of the zone. 70% of the time he's swinging at pitches inside of the zone. That's what you want to do, folks. You want to not swing at the bad pitches and swing at the good pitches, especially when you're Joey Gallo. Because when you do swing and you do make contact, you're going to hit the ball you know, 11 million miles. And so you're seeing just kind of slight increases in all the good things that you want him to do. He's swinging and missing just a little bit less. Now he's just in the bad or very bad territory rather than historically bad. Um, And plate discipline is something that can stabilize a lot quicker than something like home run rate or ground ball rate. You know, when you're talking about the, the pitch, um, the pitch level data, that stuff, you know, first of all, it represents a change in his approach. And if that's real, then you don't really need all that many plate appearances for that to, to matter. It's still too early to say for sure. Joey Gallo should be the odds on favorite to strike out the most in baseball moving forward, but very promising signs so far. Yeah. I love this call. His strikeout rate is down to 20%. So Uh, In conjunction with the swinging strike rate being down, it seems like his approach, at least with two strikes to this point, has been better. The fact that he is striking out, you know, as little as he is. It's a small sample size. I understand that he's only played eight games, three homers thus far, two steals for Joey Gallo. He's a phenomenal athlete. I mean, for someone as big as he is, I mean, to see guys like him and Aaron Judge just doing what they do on a regular basis, like you almost... Joey Gallo plays center field, not that infrequently and he's like 280 pounds it's yeah. amazing it's we've never seen anything like his line drive rate is 27 percent too so i know back, that that that, that goes is back to the second second, yeah, half second half of 2018 yeah has been and that's why like i i i i was i was the least likely i think to condemn him to a 220 batting average coming in i thought oh, maybe he'll have 250 i mean he's he's been he's been a high babbit guy for a basically a full calendar year. Um, you know, obviously if he cuts down on the strikeouts, then that changes everything. Look, I mean, uh, if he's it's too early to say. If he's a 25% strikeout guy, which is 
extremely unlikely, but if Joey yeah. Gallo is a 25% strikeout guy, he's probably going to win the American League MVP. <laughs> and if not, it's only because Aaron Judge is going to homer 60 times. Yeah. Yes, in 60 games. Yes. <laughs> uh, but real, really, um, you know, for Joey Gallo, if he strikes out only 25% of the time, he's probably hitting like 270. He might hit no 300. Like, he hits, this is he, why, like, if he, hits, his if level he strikes of out 25% of the time, there is no ceiling on how good Joey Gallo can be. Yeah. This, he's not going to strike out 25% of the time, almost certainly. Mm. But if he's a 30% strikeout guy, we're probably talking about Joey Gallo as a third rounder. Yeah, well, that's exactly where Aaron Judge has been at. You know, he's yeah. he's been a 30% strikeout rate guy, but because he impacts the ball so hard when he makes contact, he's able to sustain a high BABIP, and he hits a lot of home runs, and that leads yeah. to, you know, a 275 to 280 batting average. That's been the biggest difference between someone like Judge and Gallo has just been that 7-8% strikeout rate. So yep. you're absolutely right about that when it comes to Joey Gallo. Some bullpen notes from Monday. What was that? Some bullpen notes from Monday. Rowan Wick completes the save. Uh, an inning in a third. One hit, one strikeout. Uh, it was not Craig Kimbrell. He kind of left you there before the break. What is... Tease. Oh, gosh, tease. man. What do you do here? I mean, if you own Craig Kimbrell, do you, ha- do you have to own Rowan Wick as well? Man, I am getting some closer fatigue. Seriously. <laughs> right about now, chasing down all these options. Uh, it's, it's interesting because I mean, now Kimbrell hasn't worked since July 31st. Yep. So he was certainly rested enough to come in if they wanted him to come in. Rowan Wick, yeah, he, he threw like 30 something innings. So it wasn't a huge sample, but he did have a 243 ERA, 114 whip, 9.5 K per nine last year. I mean, that seems like somebody who could suffice as a closer. And, uh, I don't know. I don't know that they're turning the page yet. I would go with like a, like regardless of whether or not I had Kimbrel, I would look to like Yairo Diaz or um, Ryan Presley, somebody like that before I turned to Rowan Diaz. But I, I think Diaz is certainly in the discussion now as, as prospective save sources. I'm pretty sure I took a, a history of Greek military class with a guy named Rowan Wick in college. Did I just refer to him as Rowan? Rowan Diaz is what you said, yes. He yes, is Rowan he Wick. Rowan Diaz? What in the world? You were talking about At least Yair I didn't Rowan call Diaz. him Rowan Atkins, which I was doing <laughs> uh, before the show. You know, maybe if we combined Rowan Wick and Yairo Diaz, they would actually, you know, combine to be one really good closer. Yairo I Diaz. would rather see Rowan Atkins actually pitching. <laughs> Me too. Yairo Diaz in the ninth inning on Monday. A double, a single, a sack fly. He allowed another run to score, I guess... He didn't really allow it, but another run scored on an error, and he barely walks away with the save. Seven to six. Is there anyone else that we need to watch in the Rockies bullpen right now, Scott? Um, It seems so gross. I don't think so. Wait a second. Were you just... Sorry. Okay, so Diaz got the save, but it was ugly. Sorry, I just totally zoned out as you were talking. (laughs) Um, Carlos Estevez was, I know another guy he's, he's set up for Diaz today and he was somebody else who I know some within the fantasy community were looking at as a potential alternative there, but I don't think Diaz is going to lose his grip on the role after this performance. Rysel Iglesias picked up a save for the Reds. Kirby Yates allowed a solo home run to Cody Bellinger, but struck out the side. He came in, the game was five, three. So the game... Winds up 5-4, so 
kind of a mixed bag there. Some good, some bad from Kirby Yates. Uh, Nick Birdie blew the game against the Minnesota Twins. Tough lineup there. Um, takes the L. Seems like Keone Kella should have an opportunity. Once he returns, he has been uh, cleared to throw, I believe, for Keone Kella. So I wouldn't think it would take long for a reliever. Right. But, you know, I, I actually started him in an NL only league, Keone Kella, just hoping he makes it back before the end of the week. Seems possible. We're gonna we're gonna hold off on the bye bye party jokes until uh Keone Kella comes back. <laughs> We've got some questions from our Apple Podcast review. This one's from Daddy ZZ. I receive Ronald Acuna and Patrick Corbin. I give up Alex Bregman, John Carlos Stanton, and Matthew Boyd. Does not specify what the league format is. So you give up Bregman, Stanton, and Boyd for Ronald Acuna and Patrick Corbin. Chris, I'll go to you first. You are the Stanton advocate. This is a tough one. I think it's a C. Uh, there's a chance that like, I think it hinges on Matthew Boyd. Like I'm a little worried. Matthew Boyd might get, might not give you much of anything right now based on the start. Mm-hmm. Um, if he does, I think you probably lose this trade, uh, because like Acuna is better than Bregman, but I think it's pretty much a, a push with an edge for the Acuna side. So it comes down to if Boyd gives you something. That's the way I would say it. So, uh, a C plus for now. Uh, yeah, I'll give it a I'll give it a B. That just might speak to my low level of confidence in Matthew Boyd moving forward. Uh, Frank, do you mind if I bring up one pitcher that we didn't talk about? Sure. Thought we should talk about. Go ahead. Uh, Zach Plesac started again tonight after all the the hoopla from his 20 swinging strike effort against the White Sox last time out. And seven innings, four hits, three earned runs, one walks, six strikeouts. Only 10 swinging strikes in those seven innings. And the slider that got him 13 whiffs last time only got him one. It was against the Twins. And it was, you know, at the end, a good outing. The Reds. But the, 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 the... what fed the enthusiasm really wasn't there the second time around for, for Plesak. And uh, I, I think the jury's still out on him. I'm not saying I have any interest in dropping him yet, but it's uh, the jury's still out. I'm less confident that Plesak has figured something out than I am Aaron Savale. Yeah, I will just say, you know, he was part of those Cleveland starters that went on that stretch against the White Sox at the time when the White Sox were just swinging and missing at everything. It was Savale one night. It was Adam Plutko had like 17 yeah. swinging strikes, and then it was Plesak with 20. So, so so it was the Reds he was facing tonight, not the Twins. I think you mentioned that, Chris. Sorry. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I would agree that the, the jury is still out for Plesak, but the length that he's given you still, I mean, to go into Cincinnati, you know, the two home runs that he gave up were against Castellanos and Joey Votto two pretty damn good hitters in their own right. I think you're right saying that the that the jury is still out, but I came away somewhat, you know, optimistic after the start for Zach Plesak. The next this next question is from Brad in a city in New Jersey. I think that's an FFT thing. But do you guys have any interesting cities in New Jersey? Um Mawa I want, I want to start a dynasty auction league. How would you structure increases to contracts and the number of players, major and minor, to be kept? Scott, this seems like it's right up your alley. 
Oh yeah. Now I've done this before. Uh, basing it on a typical $260 budget. What we do in my dynasty league is, uh, you know, for, depending whatever the starting point is and for a minor leaguer being called up it's one dollar but you know depending on the starting point based on what you purchased a player in the auction or on fab the first year you keep them it goes up one dollar the second year you keep them it goes up three dollars and then the third year and beyond you keep them it goes up five dollars each year and you know that that works out especially for the minor league call-ups when they come up in their first dollar uh it comes out to the amount they're cost controlled, you know, over the six years a player would be in the major. It, it turns out similarly where it gets more difficult to keep them in the arbitrate, what would be the arbitration years of those first six years. And then by the time they're, they're done with those six years, they're really expensive. So that's, that's kind of what I built it around. And it seems to be working well so far there. Are, we don't have set contract lengths. You could do it that way if you want. It's just, I think it's, I think it's unnecessary, a complication that doesn't need to be there. And it, it, it can really bury a team if they make bad contract decisions and make it unfun and more likely that people drop out if they can't, if they can't get out of their bad decisions quicker. So that's why I don't do long-term contracts. And Brad, it sounds like you are going to be the commissioner here. And I will just say, as someone who has played in a dynasty league with contracts, the reason why it fell apart was because it was very tough for the commissioner to keep track of all of the contracts. So I would probably stay away from contracts. I had a similar keeper type league uh, to how Scott runs his dynasty league, where it was a head to head auction. And every year you're the player you want to keep would increase $5 in value. And you can keep up to five players, but you can make that amount, whatever you want it to be. But I, I like that kind of gradual increase and something similar to what Scott talked about there. So uh, if that's what you're looking into for, um, an auction dynasty league. I think that is a fair way to go about it. Your emails, fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. This one's from Brian. Head-to-head categories league. Keepers with walks and total bases as extra categories. I can sign one of these players for up to three years. Stanton, $18. Carlos Correa, $13. Chris Sale, $5. Alex Verdugo for a buck. What do you think, Chris? Gotta be Correa, right? So it's fixed at this amount for three years. Yeah. I followed up on the email with this gentleman, and he said it can be, I believe you could go two or three years. So it's that fixed amount. It's Correa. If you want him for $13 for the next three years, he locked into that price. Yeah, I, I think it's Correa just because of the, the age difference between him and Stanton. I wonder if Scott's going to say sale. Oh, boy. You know me, Chris. You know, I, I think Correa is the textbook answer the the safe answer just knowing how i value starting pitcher right now um i might gamble on sale bouncing back from tommy john surgery and being a at 32 yeah well he's 32 the next time he pitches he certainly wouldn't be the first 30 plus year old to come back from tommy john surgery and you know it's it's easy enough to get a quality shortstop particularly in a head-to-head league that i don't think I don't think I would be kicking myself for years to come by passing up Correa at that amount. I think I'd, I think I'd go for broke with sale personally, but I, you know, I, I probably rate play a riskier brand of fantasy baseball than I would always recommend other people to play because I can't maneuver them through all the fallout from that, you know, risk reward. I'm with 
I'm with Scott. I'm going to go with the Chris sale here for five bucks, yeah. but it, it is risky for sure. I mean, wow. we have seen pitchers come back before, but have we seen lefties who are like 170 pounds that have a herky-jerky <laughs> delivery? We've never seen anything. like Chris. <laughs> there, there is not really any good precedent for Chris Sale. Yeah. Like, I understand how risky it is. I have is, no but. idea how he's going to age. His velocity was up before it went down. You know, like it could go either way. Yes, but for $5, you might have a potential, you know, $30, $35 arm for for a great discount. This one's from Anthony. Hi, Taylor, Sergio, Tyler, and Tyler. Yeah. Uh, Roger, no. Twins bullpen. This is the Twins bullpen. Yeah. That's correct. 12-team Roto Dynasty. Lots of Dynasty recently. Seven seven regular keepers, over 1,300 at-bats, 500 innings, or 50 saves. Those are for the regular keepers and 12 prospects slash young players under those thresholds. Hmm. I trade away Blake Snell and Spencer Howard. I receive Tyler Glasnow and Mackenzie Gore. A plus. Am I missing something? Snell and Howard for Glasnow and Gore. Well, I, I mean, even without like the fact that Glasnow is much more valuable than Snell... Uh, because he doesn't take up one of those regular keeper spots, of which there are fewer. Mm-hmm. Oh. I think just Glasnow is better than Snell. I think I would point. just rather have Glasnow than yeah. Snell in a dynasty league, and I would definitely rather have ha- Gore over Howard. So, sure. I think, yeah, I think that's an A plus. Okay, I like it too. Yeah, I was uh, when I, I answered this email, and I, I was on the Glasnow side with uh, with Gore. Scott, I'll throw the second question your way from Anthony. Uh, how quickly do you turn towards the future in a dynasty league for this season if you're struggling just because it is a shortened season? So, I mean, uh, what, a month in, Scott, you're starting to think about next year? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, if I didn't... Sure. Let's let's say that. A month in. I am. I am pretty much... Always looking ahead to next season in a dynasty league, even if my team is good. And I know that sounds weird. And obviously, I'm uh, windows, not waves. There you go. There you go. <laughs> waves, that's, not windows. That's the that's that's how you sustain success. Is you 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 have to start you have to start with a full scale breakdown, and then you st- and then you end up with a, a surplus of cheap talent that then you start moving for future talent and you just keep that progression going. So it's, it, I'm, I'm not somebody who punts on a season normally, except at the very start of a dynasty league. So it's, it's difficult for me to relate to this, but I, I think that like, if it's clear, you're not in a position to contend and, and you look at your, at your prospects, lowercase P on the prospects, your chances for next season. And, uh, they're not looking good, then yeah, it's probably time to rip down and and start that process anew. Alrighty, that'll do it for Scott and Chris. I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today on our YouTube channel. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. 
You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework.